Welcome back to A People's Guide to Publishing. I'm Joe Beal, the founder and CEO of Microcosm Publishing and Distribution. I'm also the author of A People's Guide to Publishing, which distills what I've learned from selling millions of books over the past 25 years. I'm Ellie Blue. I'm the Editorial and Marketing Director here at Microcosm. We are an independent midlist publisher based in Portland, Oregon. We have 14 employees, over 650 titles in print with 20 to 40 new books per year, and we distribute thousands of titles from other publishers. We started this podcast so that we can share what we've learned with newer publishers so that you can learn from our mistakes. Or maybe you just want to understand the publishing industry. Aiden has a brand new book with microcosm called <laughs> um do, do i get to be the one to say it or, or do you want to say it can we should we say it together yes we can say it together <laughs> one two three even, even how get, get blue balls, balls. <laughs> did anyone understand great title <laughs> fabulously disastrous whose title was that um my yeah it wasn't mine I, I sent it in the only chance in and other stories this is much better oh yeah we kind of have that way and then if nobody says no things tend to get increasingly ridiculous mm-hmm. but i'm all for it see and this is why you are the perfect author for microcosm is because we're like <laughs> We have a really racy idea, and you're like, I'm all for it. it oh, yeah. It totally makes sense. It doesn't totally match what's inside the book, but it's pretty fun to say. Yeah. Well, it, it's like Cowbot is like the ship name because it's cowboy and robot. They're, they're different characters, but that's like, you know, it's like Brangelina or whatever. See? So it totally makes sense. That's I how did... I thought it too. You're like looking at the tone and, or like the summation of the piece, you're not like giving away the plot. Mm-hmm. I did make a somewhat horrifying discovery recently, which is there is a children's book series about a cowbot. When you look up oh, a cowbot no. in uh, Edelweiss, that's what comes up. Well, well. Hey, kids. <laughs> or you're welcome, kids. You've got to grow up someday. The series will continue. You don't have to give up on what you loved as a child. I mean, it, it could be worse. At least I don't actually write children's things under that name. I, I heard a story once from Ursula Vernon about an incident she had and why she uses a pen name for the adult ones now. <laughs> One of our other querying consent authors is in a similar boat where they were like, how do I keep these two worlds separate? And we were like, we think separate is good. As separate as you can make yeah. it. I, I, I mash it all together because it's all for grown-ups. Not all of it has sex in it. You know, I've, I've got the, the vampire story that's, that, that uh, is, is from Thurston Howell Press that does not have anything steamy. But it's still, you know, it's still all for grown-ups. So. Have, you, have you gotten any complaints about that? Um, that that was not... No, I haven't. Um, but I don't really. I, I'm not in a fame place where I like run into people who know who I am or anything. Like most of the people who 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 buy that book are people who know me and and know that I write every weird thing under the sun. So, well, that that'll be a milestone you can look forward to. Ah, when I get when I get recognized somewhere, I did get recognized at the My Little Pony convention once for the fan fiction. That's that's my claim to fame is is a, just somebody knew who I was because I wrote fan fiction. 
Nice. Well, that's and, a good segue into our first question, which is, can you tell us how you got started writing? Ah, well, actually, my very first piece of writing ever was fan fiction. I was six years old, and I was very into Care Bears. Yes. So I wrote and illustrated a book, and I, I bound it together with, like, yarn ties along the edge and everything about Care Bears who were sharing balloons with each other. So that was my, yeah, that was my intro. And the um, rest is history. Yeah. No, I always read voraciously. Loved stories. And you fill your brain up with stories and I, stories come out. So. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. And then, so, and then it's like, it's clear that you have like pursued this excitedly into adulthood. So like, how do you sort of envision, or, you know, I mean, I guess like nobody can like plan their life, but like, how did you envision arriving where you would be at your age now as a writer? Oh, when I was younger, I did not envision where I was going to be now. <laughs> I was, this was, my life has not gone plan. I was going to do the bland, straight, white picket fence thing, you know, get married, I'd have four kids by now, you know, blah, 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 none of that. None of that happened. Uh, I mean, I did get married, I do have a kid, but not... <laughs> It's, it's not very straight. The Queering Consent series is great for me because I'm hella queer, so. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's good. I mean, and it's like, well, you know, like, you would anybody want their life to go the way they thought it would when they were six? Oh, goodness. I mean, well, maybe a couple, but, yeah. I, I, when I was six, I was going to be an artist, and I meant, like, fine arts and gallery art. So I've, I've kind of gone in that direction somewhat, because I create, I make things, I write things, you know, adjacent. Good enough. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, would you say, like, like, how would you describe, I guess, the style of your writing? Um... I am pretty sure that one of my biggest influences was Mercedes Lackey. The kind of a little bit pulpy, mostly wholesome, kind of weird, only more often X-rated. I, I don't think very many Lackey books are have X-rated bits. A few of them do, but mostly no. So, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. <clears throat> We, Mercedes and I have run-ins on Cora periodically, and it is like, and it, it's like I feel like if you brought that up, you could get like a pretty wild bit of exposition, <laughs> like how that happened, and like why that doesn't happen more often, and like what the uh, feedback. Was. Or you know, speaking of like mixing your pen name with your real name, or you know why people change pen names for their smut, you know? Yeah. I, but, I know most people do, but I'm just a little weird that way. I've never been able to... It's not a hard boundary, is the other thing. I mean, when I was growing up and reading science fiction and fantasy off the shelves in the library that my parents let me read as a teenager because they assumed if it was in the library it was fine, I read a lot of sex, okay? There's a lot of sex scenes in those books. So it's not a firm boundary. I mean, even though I say the vampire one that's not very steamy, there is a sex scene in that. It's just not especially explicit. You know, two of the characters get together, but... People have sex. It's part of life. Yeah, exactly. You know. 
it, it's not something you can cordon off somewhere else entirely because it, it's not some other thing entirely. It's just a thing people do. And and so like I mean, and this is sort of the thing where like. How did you, was it that trip to the library or trips, I'm guessing, to the library that made you, like, interested in writing these stories or, like, what sort of motivated that in your brain? Um, part of the reason why I started getting a little more serious about writing was, was actually uh, an English teacher I had in middle school. Um, we, we did a, a unit on fiction writing. And where we were all supposed to turn in a story, and I turned mine in three weeks late because I had gotten so elaborate with it that it was, you know, I mean, I, in retrospect, it was probably 2,000 words, but for me at the time, it seemed like this monstrous novel. Oop, my thing is going off there. And anyways, and she gave me an A-plus on it because she was like, I don't care that it's late. You put so much passion into this, and this is so great, and someday you're going to be an author. And I actually dedicated my first published book to, to Mrs. Murdoch, who told me I was going to be an author. She was great. And so it, it was a story about unicorns. And I was very interested in writing fantasy fiction. I've always been interested in just, like, I live in this world. And this world has interesting stories that you can you know, keep entirely in this world. But if I'm going to write something fictional... Why stick with this world? Let's let's you know bring on the cowbots, etc. <laughs> so when you when you are writing fantasy, I feel like it's always really interesting to me when I read fantasy, which I love to do, to be like, what is mm. the actual fantasy going on here? You know, like is the actual fantasy about meeting a dragon, or is the actual fantasy right. about like being kidnapped by the dragon and being totally powerless and someone comes and saves you? You know, <laughs> so like I, yeah, I, I, I I'm. And sometimes it's like you can look at it and be like, wow, this author has some fantasies that I don't share. And other times you're like, wow, this is what I really crave too. Um, but yeah, like what is the fantasy in your, behind your fantasy, I guess? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with kind of the sense of, well, the sense of the other, right? We have this ordinary life where we're all supposed to be ordinary humans and we're all supposed to be kind of alike and we're all supposed to fit into some mold and we're all supposed to fit into some, you know, some gender, some nationality, some some identity, whatever. And then when you don't, and you, you feel on the outside, and so then I, I write these stories and it, it, particularly with the romance stories and the smut stories and all that, what it's really about in the fantasy for me is to take an ordinary person and connect them to the other, to have the romance happen, you know, between the cowboy and the robot, between the, the vampire and the, 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 you know, hipster in Portland, between whoever else. The, the, these characters who are so different and who are other and who are not maybe what you expect can connect, can love each other, can find common ground and, you know, and maybe they just fuck one night, whatever. But, you know, there's, there's something there. And that's really my fantasy. Like, I am a person who wants to connect to people, right? I'm, I'm a little introverted. I want to stay home most of the time, but I need, you know, you need people. And so my fantasy is just about these ways that people can interact and connect and 
find things to to experience together. I don't know. <laughs> I love that fantasy. I noticed in a lot of the stories and cowbots, like also the people that are the other, like maybe you don't notice at first that they're the other. Like maybe you think they're just like you, but then they turn out to be different than you thought in ways that are very exciting and sexy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's certainly another thing that just comes from my experience. You know, growing up, I was, like I said, I was expecting a white picket fence. I was, I was going to be, you know, cute little cute little bride in my white dress and do all that traditional girl stuff and then that I found out I was something not quite like that, you know? And that look at the I've... result, much more exciting. Yeah! <laughs> and so, so I, the, the discovery element is definitely another thing I really like. Self-discovery, you know, finding out the world isn't what you expect. It, it's always kind of fun to write the character and I, I don't always get that point of view because the story works for other reasons. But when you get the ordinary person who suddenly realizes that, you know, holy shit, vampires are real or whatever else, that moment is just excellent. Yes. I mean, the thing that I find fascinating about this is, like, you know, we all explore themes because of, like, our own experiences. But you've taken this from, like, you wanting to find like understanding and acceptance to like making sort of all these other people find understanding and acceptance in your stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, I I I write a pretty broad variety of things, and sometimes it's just you get an idea, and you just the idea just wants out. And you want to do something weird, you know? What if this? What if that? What if the other? And you know, I've I have written some that are not with microcosm where acceptance doesn't happen and things go badly and they're terrible. Writing horror is very cathartic, by the way. Horror story is fantastic for when you're having a bad day. Just go make terrible things happen to fictional people. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. But in the end, I honestly think my favorite thing to write is where people get, you know, they get their happy ending and not Disney happy ending where it's too perfect to be real, but but a happy ending you can't believe in, you know. The the robot dude doesn't get his problems fixed in the story. Nothing gets magically solved, but he needs a nice cowboy, <laughs> you know. It's all right. Right. Yeah, and I, I mean, and it's just like then it kind of feels more ironically realistic. Mm -hmm. You know, even though <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the themes are, well, we don't need to spell that yeah. one out. So this um, podcast is ostensibly for publishers about publishing. So I like to always mm -hmm. get into the weeds a little bit with our, with process. Very fun when we do these interviews. Um, you've published with some seriously small presses and you write about this a little bit more in your interview on our blog which people can also go read. Yes, Joe is gesturing to show how small a press can be. Um, and then you've worked with us, who we were once small, and now we are approaching medium-sized rapidly. Um, we're still small. Yeah, we're still tiny in the world of <laughs> publishers, but not as yeah. tiny as could be. And yeah, we, we're, we would love to hear kind of about your different perspectives and experiences in mm. not just working with those publishers, but in interacting with like any readers that found you through those publishers? 
Um, my, honestly, it's a funny thing because, you know, when you hang around in writer's circles, you hear everybody, like, complain about the submissions process and how hard it is to find a publisher, how hard it is to find an agent, how just soul-crushing and terrible it is, and they got a point. I used to say, well, then I'm just not interested in being published. I'll, I'll just write for me. I'll just keep them. They just won't go anywhere. I'll put them in a stack. It's fine. Um, but the urge to share is impossible to resist. And I posted some online. And actually, my first uh, publishing contract, I was approached by a publisher. Nice. Which, Cinderella story there. Like, that never happens. But it's because the publisher was... It was one guy. Uh, <laughs> his name's J.F. Coates. He's from Australia. And he wanted to start up a furry-themed publishing company, which is, you know, that's a niche of a niche. Because furry is small, and publishing in furry is even smaller. Teeny, teeny, teeny. And he read a story I wrote about dragons that he really liked. And, and I had posted part of it online. And was like, you know, dragons are furry. Can I publish your, your furry dragon thing? And I, <laughs> he didn't end up with the dragon thing because it wasn't actually finished. I published a part one and I still haven't written the rest of it. Sometimes that happens. But it was, you know, I had all this other stuff I've been sitting on for years. And I'm like, ooh, 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 here, have some stories, have some stories. And I sent him a whole heap of things and ended up publishing a collection called The Garden Maze of stories about just, fantasy beings and you know animal people and dragons and the the the, the titular garden maze is about a uh, a gardener who is a half elf and half orc and has to go on a quest to save the earth which she thinks means the planet but it turns out means like soil and earth and gardening stuff like it's it's this pun it's a, it, it's kind of a stupid little story but i still like it you know you like your old ones even when they're a little dumb and but it was just it was just this fascinating weird experience because I was like getting published and it was all for real and it was this whole thing but it was also some guy with a computer making ebooks to sell the furries in Australia. I mean I think I made twenty bucks off of all my royalties on that and that's not because he gave me terrible terms. It's just because the you know sold fifteen copies. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I. I... I've met a lot of authors that like, I mean, I think a lot of it is that you approach it with such a great attitude because I cannot tell you how many authors that I've met are like, you know, I got an offer and I got an agency to review my off my offer and then I published this book and then I put like so many years of my life into this thing mm -hmm. and then I find out the publisher has no distribution so like it will basically never be found. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, that's more typically the type of horror story I am told. Or, well, like, you know. what happens? That's yeah. what ha You know, there's a statistic that something like 99% of books sell, it was, it's under 1,000 copies. It might even be under 100 copies. It's, it's, I forget where the math goes, but it's not very many. We just and, did an episode about that, if any viewers want to check that out. <laughs> I don't know. It, there's a lot of books out there, and there's only so much, you know, people buying books to go around, although some people could certainly stand to buy and read more books than they do. <laughs> I think I'd go okay. We have a library downstairs, and I mean a library. We have a lot of books. We're book people. Oh. 
but but that's kind of the thing is like i i think i i would assert that what is different about it is how you're approaching it where you're not coming in with <laughs> right expectations or like well, it, this idea that you would walk away from your job oh i i had a well i i used to say friend and now i say guy i used to know because this turned into a disaster he quit his job to write his novel oh no Ugh, don't don't quit your job to write your novel please please don't he used up all his savings spending a year writing the book and then it never got published and he was not gracious about it it was a disaster in my friend's circle that oh but i think uh i think part of the thing is uh, a lot of authors have like their baby right the book they've thought about their whole life the one story that encompasses everything they want to do and i don't know why but i don't have my baby i've i i have written literally millions and millions of words across many different genres i have constant new ideas i i have an ideas file because i want to write all these stories and i like feel guilty if i have an idea and then i ignore it so i write it down for later it later never happens the ideas file is 10,000 words long right now, and that's mostly a sentence at a time. I don't have my baby. I have everything under the sun. So if one of them doesn't get read, all the garden maze and the, the cute little gardener gal who saves the earth got read by 20 people. That's fine. That's 20 people. I've got another one. What else do you want? <laughs> you know? What's your poison? I'll send you a story. I've got lots. Well, we actually do have some requests. We recently uh, talked to some high school librarians who run a spicy romance novel book club for their students, which this is not a district in Virginia, by the way, um, or, <laughs> or Texas. Um, I know this sounds like a setup for a novel. I know, right? But they said that their main problem is not like angry parents, but the fact that they cannot find enough lesbian vampire novels. For their students to read. So, ah, we noted in vampires. Yeah. <laughs> we told them we'd work on it. Yeah. Uh, I have lesbian vampires, but it's My Little Pony fiction. So, <laughs> that, there's a weird one for you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how where high school students these days fall on My Little Pony fiction. We're a little too old to really be in touch with that demographic. <laughs> I was one, daily. <laughs> I, we went to um, one of the comic book conventions once where we had a booth and I was made fun of for not knowing what MLP stood for. Oh, goodness. I try to remember to spell it out because I know not everybody's going to recognize the acronym, but I forget sometimes because in certain circles it's obvious and automatic and what else would it stand for? I mean, and I grew up with My Little Pony, but I still would never think of MLP as being My Little Pony. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's just like, you know, and then it's like the other thing that is just like super weird where anything from your childhood comes back and you're like, wow, you did this. Well, it's always nice when they do something good with it, because honestly, the Friendship is Magic show was very good. Like I, I have, I no weird feels about that. Brony culture is weird. <laughs> Mostly great people, very strange, but you know. 
Well, maybe your yeah. lesbian vampire MLP fiction is going to be, you know, the next big thing. Yeah, who knows? The next Could big be. thing. <laughs> I, somehow I doubt it. Somehow I doubt it. Well, we are um, close to the end of our time. Um, is there anything else that we want to talk about? Yeah, let's, uh, so I heard a rumor that you have another new book coming out. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we might even have yeah. a working title for it. Do you remember what it is? All right. You want to do your big reveal? <laughs> yeah, my my next collection is going to be uh, leaning even further into the other thing. And I think we're calling it, what was it, Monster Fucking? Monster Fucker, maybe? Monster, monster Fucker. Yeah, there we go. There's something to identify fucker. with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's quite fun. I have actually finished several of the stories that are going in it. Awesome. Um, there's one that is a riff on Lovecraft that would have actual Lovecraft spinning in his grave. Let me tell you. But <laughs> good. <laughs> it's, but like, it's, what era uh, Lovecraft would be upset about this? Yeah. Like early, because you know Lovecraft had a few pivots in his career. It was like he was like, "Wait a minute, I was wrong about that." Well, you know, maybe you can give him one more. Yeah, maybe he'd have, maybe he'd have come around to the monster fucking, but it, it it is that that vibe of the the weird little seaside town where something's not quite right, and there's a there's a fellow who's a monster hunter, and well, he finds a monster, but not quite how he expects. Great story. So. <laughs> Something I'm excited to read this. I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't wait to see it, and it's if it's half as fun to read as it is to write, then I know we'll be in good uh, in good hands. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for having me on to talk about my weirdness. It's been great fun. It's normalness around here. So. Oh, ah, true. You're mainstream now. Yeah, thanks, thanks for fitting in with the oh, no. in crowd. <laughs> yes, but thanks so much for coming and joining us and telling the world about your books. Yay, thank you. Thanks for joining us once again. Please send your questions to podcast at microcosmpublishing.com so we can answer them on future episodes. And please give us five stars on iTunes and everywhere else that podcasts are reviewed. You can find us on the internet at microcosm.pub. On Twitter at microcosm. On Facebook at microcosm publishing. On Instagram at microcosm underscore pub. And here in Portland, Oregon on North Williams Avenue. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week.